Hey success family, good morning. And today we have in our CSM Secrets podcast, Peter Crisdale of Minerva. And today's conversation was all about scale. And I've been wondering about the issue of scale and how various companies and leaders are solving it. And who else I could reach out to except for Peter, who has a major track record of working in startups. And as you'll all agree, startups are the biggest um, hunters for scale and success. So with that said, I mean, he's been a serial entrepreneur, a startup, um, venture, a board member. And so I'm very pleased and happy to have him today. Hey, Peter, welcome to my show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Glad to have this chat and excited to dig in. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find a gem or two from you about scale and, you know, how Minerva is um, operating and doing to contribute in this space. So my first question, right? Um, So today, one of the major challenges that customer success is facing is the ability to be able to deliver white club experiences to all the customers, right? 100% retention, 100% customer satisfaction is not possible if you don't have a mechanism to scale. What are your thoughts about this? And you know, what is your learning about this problem? And how do you think the industry is headed? Yeah, the the first question I would have is, what is your business model? And what level of support does it allow you to give to your customers? You know, uh, a lot of people are familiar with this idea of a very high touch customer success experience all the way down to low touch and tech touch on the other side. Um, and I think a lot of where we spend time, a lot a lot of where my brain has been lately is very much on the tech touch side of things. I've done things that are very high touch, like actually like service oriented consulting projects. And with Minerva, we're thinking a lot about SaaS tools. And, and I think that's where a lot of customer success teams are usually centered is around SaaS tools and how do we give people an educational experience? How do we give people a satisfying experience, help people accomplish their goals while um, having as little uh, engagement with our team as possible? Um, Because that allows us to then scale and it, it depends a lot on the business, right? Because if you have if every CSM has to handle 100 clients, then you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would certainly be my thought, is even in a tech touch world, then I think there's gotta be um, perhaps deeper collaboration with the product team, deeper understanding of exactly what it is that you're trying to accomplish and, and I actually think that's another big facet of this conversation is collaboration with the product team. Um, often, I think naturally organizations tend to split into the product team has one way of thinking, customer success has another way of thinking, and then the two teams are kind of sometimes vying for the attention of the customer or, or they have different goals for the customer. And so that's, you know, that signal is if, if a CSM has more than let's say 50 customers that they need to be tending to, um, 50 accounts, then that's that's a sign that that we have to start diagnosing some other issue in the system. So do you think, I mean, based on your observation, because even possible to create a state 
um, or create a customer journey that specifically focuses on creating an intelligent customer, right? I mean, we create so much, um, you know, experience and uh, personalization that you think organizations should or focusing on creating an end state of an intelligent self-managing customer? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that everything has to be rooted in helping the customer achieve their goals and understanding what their goals are. Um, and so in some cases, if at your company, your different customers may have different goals. In other cases, a certain cus company may be more straightforward where every customer has the same goal. Um, but I think starting with rooting it in what are their goals, what are they trying to accomplish, and then how do we facilitate that is a big piece of it. Um, I think often, and I think this is true at every company at times, we end up rooted in the features that our product has and what you can accomplish with what our product does. And, and we really need to be able to flip that to say, what are we doing to facilitate the goals of the customer and make sure that they are getting an experience that is easy, that is satisfactory or even delighting. Um, and so that's that's where this there's an interesting and, and hopefully if we can recognize it really useful tension between we want to educate you on everything that that our product is capable of, but ultimately make your life as easy as possible, make your goals as easy as possible to accomplish. And so, you know, sometimes maybe not educating the the customer on all of the features all at once, sometimes um, having this kind of stepwise progression of education over time is is much better for the customer and, and so i think i always try to go back to rooting it in what are the goals that the customer is trying to achieve and how are we making it as easy as possible for them so that's i think that's the best frame for thinking about customer education so what are your favorite uh, go-to technologies that are helping to solve this problem i know that minerva uses ai for documentation and creating meaningful personalized knowledge pieces, et cetera. Can you talk about some of the technologies that are really helping to transition towards this state? Yeah, there's there's a big move and has been a big move um, for several years in internet tools in general to this idea of personalization and, and creating a tailored experience for every user on your website or every user in your SaaS tool or whatever your product is. Um, and so I think Minerva is really trying to push that forward and say that you can apply that to your help documentation as well. And you can, um, you can give each user an increasingly individualized experience based on what they're trying to accomplish. And again, rooted in their goals. Um, some of the other tools that are out there, you know, there's a lot of times I think Minerva gets compared to Pendo and, and Pendo is another great tool that I'll highlight as um, tr as being able to quickly give this little kind of like snackable pieces of education to a user, especially a new user. Um, I th there's a big differentiator there, which is Minerva's looking at SaaS platforms that are, I think, a little more complex and platforms that can be highly configurable to each client and to each user within each client. And Pendo is looking a little bit more at the broad adoption, first onboarding flow case where every 
every person coming into the product is having a relatively similar experience or there's a there's a small number of segments of people coming into the product um, in terms of personalization out there um, there's some great tools in in email as well as um, customer io is a great one in terms of increasingly personalizing your communication based on the actions that people have taken inside the tool um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of great things that are all moving in that direction kind of in in lockstep even though you might not first think of these as um, it, there's there's really kind of a suite of different products that are thinking about this all from their own piece of the communication pie. Right. So who do you think should drive this charter um, for the customer? Should it be the responsibility of the marketing team or should it be a separate CS ops team or it should be the specific CSM that is responsible for the account? Who do you think has the right um, knowledge, information about the customer to drive this charter in the company? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and it's going to depend a lot on the nature of the company, on the business model, um, and even perhaps on the specific leaders at your company. Um, the The sort of theoretical ideal situation is that you have these firm handshakes between different parts of your company so that you're sharing data you're all acting with the same knowledge and there's very clear communication between what parts of your company own which pieces of that user experience and that journey that the user goes on um, it's very rarely the case that 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 theoretical model actually takes place and so there's a lot then that each camp can kind of do to work within whatever um, circumstance they're given within the company um, ideally I would say there's there's a certainly a strong handshake between marketing and product um, and there's been an a, emerging role over the last several years of product marketing manager uh, as a specific title or, or growth product manager um, that is kind of merging the tasks or the responsibilities of marketing and product a little bit or maybe trying to shift marketing thinking more into product um, then likewise i think that idea of cs ops can start to move toward things that product might traditionally do um, you start to think about product emails and who should own when a new feature comes out is that is it the responsibility of the product team to communicate that new feature is it the responsibility of the cs team to communicate that new feature or is there a collaboration between those two? At the end of the day, I think ownership has to live, the final decision has to live in one place or the other. Um, otherwise, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with too much, um, too many cooks in the kitchen, <laughs> then you might end up with a soup that's pretty, uh, you know, it's a little mix of everything. Um, and so I, I don't think there's one easy answer to your question. It's, it's circumstantial depending on the business, um, and, and who's actually involved in the business. Ideally, um, there's a lot of communication happening between different teams um, to make sure that no balls are getting dropped and that there's clear ownership of each piece of the puzzle. Okay, so um, do you have any predictions for, for this space? Like, you know, 
standing where you are observing what you see and doing all the things that you do do you have do you see any trends or do you have any predictions that the listeners can start thinking about or working on from right now yeah um first thought in answer to that question is there has it seems that there's just been an absolute explosion of SaaS tools um, specifically b2b focused SaaS tools um, and so that has implications both if you're a csm responsible for that b2b SaaS tool and also if you are an ops person who's trying to introduce that tool to your team so there's kind of there's two lenses there um, the I think especially now there's uh, there's a bit of a contraction in terms of startup funding. And so I think definitely some of these B2B SaaS tools are gonna go away. Um, it's a question of which of these companies are offering the most value to their customers. And again, I think that's, that's why it's gotta be, it's so important to be deeply rooted in what is the value that you're offering to your customer because you could have a great relationship with your customer. You could be doing all the right things in, in relationship building, but if you're not helping them drive the business outcome that they're paying you for, um, then you could have a great relationship and, and that client could still churn. Um, and so I think it's gonna get a little bit harder over the next six to 12 months to retain your customers unless, you're, unless you really do understand the business case and the outcomes that you're helping drive for them. Um, I think that that's going to mean that some of these tools are going to go away, the tools that are proving less valuable than others. Um, and that's, I, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but it is, uh, I think it's a bit of call to action to customer success teams to make sure that they're really understanding at the end of the day, why are your clients paying you? What are they helping? get out of it and do you have visibility into whether they're achieving their objective or not yeah so any any um pointers specifically about minerva itself that you would like us like to share like minerva as a company how is it tackling the challenges what is it doing specifically about what you do yeah i appreciate that um one of the biggest values that minerva is creating is interactive guidance and so rather than creating help docs that are static or that break easily we're trying to create overlays on top of your tool itself that are um, robust that will actually stand the test of time if you change your tool in different ways then minerva's guides should remain intact um and and i think it's what Minerva is doing is something that's very exciting for the people who see it and experience it. It's also a new way of thinking about answering people's questions, providing educational content, and um, kind of creating a great experience for the customer in the moment when they have the question. Um, but it takes it takes a bit of your uh, mental power to kind of wrap your head around this different way of thinking. Um, and so I would encourage anyone that's listening and curious about Minerva to actually just schedule time with us, schedule time with me. I'm happy to chat. And we have on our website, minervanose.com, 
There's several buttons where you can click a demo. When you click that button, then you're actually just coming on my calendar. And so <laughs> that's, uh, that's a big part of the growth stage that we're in as Minerva is going out and having a bunch of conversations to talk to people about what they can do with Minerva, the problems that they can solve, and um, the idea is that Minerva makes retention ultimately a lot higher because you're creating a better experience for the user in the moment that they have an issue rather than going off-site to Zendesk or going to a Loom video or something else. We're actually answering the user's question in the moment in the platform. All right. Thank you. With that, we come to the end of our serious session of the <laughs> podcast. Now we are going to put you on the hot seat and ask you some real rapid fire questions. Very right. quick answers. You don't have time to think. All right. Is that all right? Yes, Let's please. go. Okay. The first question. So you're off to the moon and you're not coming back. And you're allowed to take only three sets of functions from your work and you're going to work from there forever. So what are the functions that you will take along? Hmm. Time is running out. <laughs> <laughs> product for sure. Say that again, please. I would say product for sure. You'll oh. definitely take product with you. Yes, absolutely. I actually think, and I'm, I'm not a salesperson by nature, but I actually think that um, sales is such an important skill set such an important thing to be able to do um, that because sales to me is not just it you know the sort of dark perspective on sales is oh you're kind of convincing people to do something they didn't want to do or they might not have done i think sales is a lot about clear and effective communication um, and being able to sell someone on a vision or an idea or or a change and so Sales is actually a huge thing to me, even though I'm not very good at it. Um, <laughs> and then community. I love community. A lot of what a lot of the work that I do is grounded in community. And I think um, being close to your customers on the one hand from a CSM perspective is great um, in terms of that relationship building, but also as a company, I think the company needs to be connected to its customers um, and that so having a community and having people whose job is focused on community then allows you to connect to product, allows you to connect to sales, allows you to connect to marketing. Um, and all of these other departments should be coming back to the community team to better understand who is it that really loves us? Who is it that's taking the time to give us feedback? And, and that's, that's a really virtuous loop that not enough companies are doing. Okay. So a bunch of college grads are coming to you and applying for a job in Minerva, right? They have yeah. no experience on customer success or your technology. But if you are looking for three soft skills in them, what would that be? Great question. First is listening, active listening, uh, being able to understand not just the words that people are saying, but also what's behind the words. What are the emotions or intentions of what people are saying? Um, it's a it's a really really important skill set that I think is also kind of a lifelong pursuit of trying to really understand people. Um, I would say something like persistence, um, the ability to um, 
to there's just moments when you have to keep working through a problem um, and the answer is not immediately apparent and so that kind of that ability to keep coming back to something and, and keep trying to solve a problem until you've either figured out the solution or you've figured out a different trajectory on something is really important um, okay. and teamwork okay yeah so if there is one favorite cartoon character that represents a good customer success manager which one would you choose <laughs> oh man that's an interesting question um yeah i mean i'm thinking about ned flanders i guess from the simpsons <laughs> um you know someone that's just got such a good um demeanor that's always friendly um you know, this it's not the, it's not a perfect answer by any means, but that was the first. That's one fine. This is this is just rapid fire, so it's yeah. okay. Yeah. So if you were a popular personality that that either lived in the past or who's living right now, like a politician or a businessman, who who do you associate so closely yourself with? Oh, this hmm. is me. Type yeah. of personality. Right. Um. There's an executive coach named Bill Campbell that I've been a big fan of for a while. He was a startup CEO in the 90s, um, but transitioned really into being more of a coach for a lot of executives in startup tech companies. Um, and so I see myself, and maybe that's um, similar for a lot of folks in the CS world as well, um, having that coaching mentality. I think it's really useful as a manager. I think it's really useful in uh, building long-term relationships, that active listening piece is a part of that, um, but also then being able to draw on your experience to help guide people forward. So according to you, where did you go totally wrong in your career? If you were to correct one mistake in your career or one learning, what would that be? Wow. I value my failures so much. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've learned so much from sometimes continuing to hit my head against the wall until um, until my head hurts. You know, sometimes I never broke the wall. Um, but I feel like I've learned so much from each of those things that I've done. I'm not someone that looks back and says, oh, I, I wish that I had done things differently. Okay. Um, I think I think. I I, I would answer the question by saying I wish that I had come to some conclusions a lot faster. Um, and that's something that I've started to think about a lot more is um, how how long did I bang my head on the wall before I realized I needed to stop banging my head on the wall? Maybe okay. I could have thought of that a little faster. Yeah. So answer this in one word. What is that one unique skill that you bring to the table that really adds value in a room? I would say listening. Okay. So what is that one mantra or your go-to strategy in life that you apply across the board? There's one value, one mantra that you always apply as your, uh, you know, guiding compass. Yeah. Um, I keep coming back to the table. Um, and so that's a, a thing, I think, being able to kind of shrug off a lot of the negative things, learn from them, keep coming back to the table and that consistency is really important okay so you're not in a room and your friends and family and people are talking about you 
what are they more likely to say about you? <laughs> um, I'm stubborn, definitely. I don't know if I would say that about myself, but it's feedback that I've definitely heard from friends and family. Um, I take that as dedication. <laughs> yeah. To something. So Peter, the brand actually stands for dedication. You should say. I think you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then any final thoughts, quotes, words that you want to share before we call it a wrap? Uh, growth mindset. I think that's that's implicit. I think in what I've ended up answering a lot of your questions is continue to figure out how to evolve, how to learn from what you're doing. Um, there's always there's always going to be a new situation that you'll find yourself in. You can always find a new role. Um, if you're not happy in the situation that you're in, then continue to look for that next opportunity. Um, and I'll throw myself out there. Find me on LinkedIn if you don't want to go through our Minerva website. Um, I'm happy to consult with anyone, um, whether they're happy in the role and want to talk about Minerva or whether they're trying to figure out a better situation for themselves. I love chatting with people. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peter, Peter for being on the show. And, you know, you were so graceful about all the questions that I asked. Thanks for your time and patience and to the audience. You can find Peter in MinervaNews.com or also in his LinkedIn handle, which is Peter Cruzdale. And also in my LinkedIn post where I'll be sharing all the ways you reach Peter and the Minerva team. And thank you so much for watching the podcast show today. Also available in all audio mediums. Watch out for my LinkedIn post. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>